0: Namaste. In one of our messages, the Mother very beautifully and significantly revealed that Shurbindo is the luminous future, advancing towards its own realization. Now, when we turn to Shurbindo about this future, we see some of his great mahavakyas. One of them is well known: "All life is yoga." Meaning thereby that yoga had stepped out of the limited schools, sects, cults, religions and entered into the mainstream of human life where every activity had to be connected with the great current which is moving towards the source. This of course was the original sense of the word yoga but later on with specialization and uh, uh, super and sub-specializations of the yogic paths we started seeing it... Uh, change into cult sects and of course uh, its downgraded version was what we call today's religion. So this is one of the Mahavakyas. The second Mahavakya of Sri is we do not belong to the dawns of the past but to the noons of the future. So while past dawns are beautiful, of course dawn is always beautiful, but that's not where we have to turn our face. We don't have to necessarily go back except for nourishment But we have to look toward the future, the noons of the future. Meaning thereby that much more splendor is awaiting our discovery. The last book of wisdom is yet to be written. The last shloka of of the Vedas, if ever there can be a last to infinite knowledge, is yet to emerge from the depths of the human soul. The last scene in the act of the great drama of God is yet to be played before mankind the eternal word has yet to express itself there is still more to be spoken still more to be received still more to be lived and that is what makes our youth youthfulness always uh, you know ready to receive the new things the third mahavakya which been said which uh, is what i want to take up as today is man is a transitional being So, very often when we compare Shurabindu to other paths, sects, cults, spiritual approaches, we must understand that there is a very big fundamental difference. So, while generally speaking, in all the paths, most of the paths, we recognize that this world is impermanent, we recognize it's transient, we recognize it's dukkham, suffering… We recognize that everything in this world is ever-changing, ephemeral. We recognize man's pitiable state. Anybody, we don't need uh, much wisdom to see it. And having seen this, there is a way or an exit, a door shown through which man can come out of this state, come out of this prison in which he is there. Why he came here? Who brought him here? For what purpose he had to go through this long sojourn with pain and uh, suffering as well as joy and um, all temporary joys and happiness. If the end had to be the same, no one answers that. So this is not what Sherbindo says. Sherbindo says that well, we are still an unfinished creation of God, but the difference is that unlike the creations that have come so far, we are partly, part artisans in the journey. So for a for a change. Um, the divine also hands us the brushes. You know that story of Sri Krishna in the Govardhan Parvat? That while he is the one who is defeating Kansa, he is the one who is going to put the main Lati below Govardhan, but he involves everybody around. So we are living in an age when the entire spiritual consciousness is beginning to take more and more a mass movement. Not mass movement as we understand in a religious sense, but there is a... Very, very different kinds of spiritual awakening happening all over the world. And anybody who is looking at the world with little open eyes can see it. It's not always taking the form of a particular path or a particular method or a particular technique or a process. Those things are gone. But there is in human consciousness suddenly a thirst for something greater. It may not even take the word spirit or God. Doesn't matter. For something greater, something more beautiful, an aspiration, a seeking, a prayer, call it whatever... But if life could be made perfect, it's like we are carrying within us a dream through the, uh, you know, Amazon jungles or African jungles or doesn't matter where or the Arctic circle from where man descended, came, journeyed all through. Carrying this dream in his heart, the dream of a perfect world. And this dream manifests through centuries and centuries. It emerges, then goes down again. But this dream refuses to die. But now is the age when suddenly this dream seems to be taking, catching hold of the mind of the race in many, many ways. And that's because we are nearing that end of a whole cycle of evolution. That's how Shibinda puts it. And that we can see there are many, many indicators of that. We are ending a whole evolutionary curve through which nature has gone. And when Shrvinda was asked that, "How do you say that you know uh, we are nearing the end of a whole cycle of evolution?" So he gave certain markers, and this was in 1920s. And one of the things he says, knowledge has burst beyond its seams. It has, it has gone beyond the limits and boundaries and the scope of the human intellect to handle. And therefore, either we have to transit into something greater. A greater world, a greater way of knowing maybe, uh, or else we'll collapse because it'll be too much of a burden for the human head to carry. So, this was one of the signs. Second is, because of the pressure of something greater which is going to come, there is an increasing number of what today can be called as madnesses or abnormalities. People, the norm, the new norm is to be not normal. If I may put it as a, I mean, pardon me for saying so. Being a psychiatrist, I stand convicted. But it's so true, you know, in in the ashram here, uh, you are supposed to undergo a kind of, you know, psychologically you are fit or not. So I ask only one question to everybody, are you normal? And uh, the best reply I ever got is, if I was normal, why would I be here? Meaning thereby that, you know, if a normal person pursues normal aims, normal goals. And what are these normal aims and goals? Roti kaputa or makan That's what we have been made to believe, unfortunately, that these are the necessities of life. As if life begins and ends there. Nothing more than an animal except that you dress an animal, you make a nice neat house for him. People do it with their dogs uh, in the homes. But that's not what man is meant for so this new normal or many kinds of abnormal manifestations, the mother literally used, uh, said it in this way that I am told that the number of mad people who are increasing uh, are increasing and she says for the moment it is good and then she gave a reason, she said they are breaking down the barriers of the old world, so the old world is collapsing and People who have seen the generations, some of them, they are completely disconcerted. They don't know what is happening. They are distraught. So, this is the second or third thing. The third thing is that suddenly we see that the masses of man are rise, men are rising up. It's no more like there were a few kings and they were the subject, Praja. And Prajaya had nothing else but to follow what the king said. Suddenly we see that all over the world, there is a mass awakening in various forms. It's taking the shape of revolutions, it's taking the shape of, you know, democracy, it's taking the form of like, I to have a right. All these things are happening all over the world. The fourth is the descent of vital forces which are leading to, paradoxically, and this is something which is uh, interesting and important to mull over. uh, You know, people who are coming up with immense vital forces which can sway mankind this way or the other. So, this of course is during the time of Hitler and, you know, who can completely sway mankind because these vital forces don't want the new creation. So, they are bringing up people, even taking mystic forms, you know, cults which can completely sway mankind and they are forces with very immense power within them. So, all these things are indicative that something new, something unprecedented is happening in the earth's history. Now… We all, anybody, when we look at uh, human nature, when we look at the world today and yesterday much more, we see that there is a great turmoil, a confusion, a disorder and uh, what we call as order is nothing else but a disorderly order. It's like, you know, we somehow keep, the manage the house, we are managing things, but the disorder is increasing and people wonder what is the solution. So on one side, there is the solution that, well, within the frame limits, we have to make it better. Like somebody said very... Interestingly and beautifully, I think it was Carl Sagan during one of his series, he says, you know, this is the little dot on which we live. This is our family and therefore we should uh, make peace with the family. What a wonderful thing it is. But what he left is unsaid is how to make it. We all know it's a family. Why, Why go that far as thinking of world as a family? In a family, brothers within a family... They fight. Hasn't it been true of human consciousness over the uh, centuries and millenniums? So it's not enough to say that the world is one family and we are going to have a bonhomie from today. We'll regard everybody as one family and let's forget everything and come together. That's not the solution, but that's how we look at it, that human consciousness within its frame, within the limitations, whatever is giving, given to us, let's make the world a better place. It's a good uh, aspiration, no doubt about it. But we know its limits and its limitations. Any sensible person can look at it. Take Take a simple example of healing. Now, you know, doctors want to make the best, even if supposing all the hospitals in the world were giving free medicines, free doctors, everything free. Will it really solve the problem of disease? It doesn't require much common sense to understand. No, because the roots of illness will still be there. It will take new forms, new manifestation. You have hospital doctors, unfortunately, they have only multiplied diseases. As someone rightly observed, you know, Niruddha asked Shurubindo, I believe mother is going to build a new hospital. And then she said, dreams of a new millennium. So Shurabindu says, hey, that's not a dream of a new millennium. The dream of a new millennium is when there will be no more hospitals. Because man will evolve from within the healing capacities. So these are uh, things which are still in the offing. And then there is another thing which we, uh, you know, path that people have taken, the traditional path that nothing can be done about planet earth, nothing can be done about humanity as it is, but yes, we can come out of this humanity, of which we have already spoken, the path of escape, moksha, nirvana, etc., etc., it's a salvation, post-mortem salvation, that if you believe in a certain ideology or a religion, uh, after death, suddenly one day you will be raised up from the grave, Uh, Quite a frightening thing if you really uh, try to look at it and you will be finally judged. God knows by whom he who condemned us to birth will judge us also and judge us on what basis? On a single lifetime and eventually assign us a place permanently in heaven or permanently in hell. Obviously, these are very, very childish doctrines and one needs to be completely off one's head to believe in it. But there is something which is very interesting that we find in the ancient Hindu thought and Srivindu takes a clue from there and goes further. And that, there is a continuity of life, continuity of evolution. Even in individual life, there is a continuity. And between one life and another, there is a gap. And that gap is called death. Why? Because we don't know what happens behind the scene. It's like an actor goes behind, changes his dress and comes. Now people see suddenly a scene has changed. Like in the cinema, we don't even see that an actor has gone. There is a sense of continuity, but there are things which have gone on behind and they come back. But yet, if we go behind and we understand that there is a script which all of them are following, then we understand the continuity that this changing of the scene, the changing of the dress, the mood, the costume was not a random phenomena, but there is a storyline which is going behind every uh, human life. It's very beautifully described in Savitri that a story from the past uh, has created what we call today as our present fate. But there is a st- the story is not yet finished. What the brings out is that this story is still not over because this story has been planted not by the human soul taking a plunge because in the beginning there was no karma. How did it enter here? This story has been planted inside the human soul by none else but the divine. It is his story that unfolds in our life. Now we are given the freedom to modify, tweak it a little. But we cannot change the basic story. We cannot change the ending. It's not like those actors who will come and say, No, I want the ending change." No, ending will be the same. We can little bit modify. Maybe we can say this dialogue. Maybe a little bit, we can say I want this dress to wear. So, this is the inner story where there is a continuity. Otherwise, it all appears an absurdity of Papa and Punya and reward and punishment. Again, one has to be equally foolish to believe that, you know, nothing is happening in this world except Papa and Punya and somebody is rewarding and punishing, in which case, frankly speaking, at least most of the human beings I know, including myself, would have no hope for the future. Because, you know, you will realize that there is so much. So, who can claim that I am holier than thou and, you know, for me the doors of heavens are going to open. All of us have our own difficulties, challenges, defects, errors, prejudices, call it whatever. So, and yet evolution goes on. Yet we progress. That's the marvel. So, despite the fear of, uh, you know, Sri has has beautifully put in Savitri, a hidden bliss is at the root of things it grows on forbidden soil. You say that this is forbidden, man will do it, regardless of all the believers in Papa and Punya. So there is something which is compelling, the bliss within things, wanting to disclose itself, first through forms which are perverse, ignorant, limited, until we realize that because it's limited, its backlash follows, there is pain, there is sorrow, suffering, till one day, pain, pleasure and Indifference, a triple disguise, attire of the dan- rapturous dancer on the way, so this, she sheds these uh, attires and the pure stuff of thing bliss emerges, but on the basis of form. So this is our own story. Then there is a larger story which is taking place, and in Indian thought, it's very interesting when we look at the story of um, humanity, why humanity, civilization, why civilization? From earth to man, this story is beautifully recounted in the Bhagavad Purana as the story of God becoming fish, God becoming tortoise, God becoming, you know, varaha, God becoming half animal, half human. Meaning thereby, again there is a continuity. The continuity is that these are not random events. They are pre-programmed events. The one Mahavishnu who is sleeping on the, you know, coil of the infinite time, Yet determines in his sleep the whole process of creation. At his beck and call, the um, Nag, which is infinite time, changes the earth from one to another and leads it upward and upward as it uncoils itself. So we see in this world the uncoiling of a tremendous world energy which builds form. So in this story we see this Dashavatar. This at once a change of consciousness and at once a change of form. The two go together. So one of the beautiful, amazing things about Shrivin—the many, many amazing things, just simply amazing to use a modern, you know, just too amazing, is that he gives us the true significance of form. That's why he said, O worshipper of the formless, infinite, reject not form. What dwells in form is he. All forms, all names, all qualities are ways and means for this hidden consciousness to emerge. And because this consciousness is hidden inside, it is trying to emerge step by step. Why through the steps? Because if it suddenly emerges, matter itself will collapse. Just imagine if the tremendous energy inside an atom, if it suddenly it said, Oh, I am going to emerge. Imagine what will happen to the world. That's what the scientists are trying to figure out and they have figured out, as Shubinder puts it very humorously, That is, scientists played with atoms and blew out the world before God had time to shout. This infinite energy, infinite consciousness, which is hidden inside, infinite existence emerging step by step, first through matter and matter itself. What varieties? 108 elements and God knows how many more. I am not a fan of just, you know, stopping at a sacred figure. He is infinite. We don't know how many elements exist in creation in cosmos. Just on the material world, just with the playing of atoms. The master scientist has dispensed so many elements and look at their combinations. Hydrogen, oxygen, combining and today, you know, we have water and uh, out of water combining with colors. So many things which emerge out of just the combination of these basic elements. Then again, when we see life emerging, oh, it's there is a riot and revel of the senses in it. One particular plant, two leaves don't have the same print, and very often we'll see number of colors our eyes cannot behold. Suddenly, feel our eyes are so limited that there are so many color shades of color, sizes, and this, just one twig of a particular plant forget about you know trees and animals and whatnot. so this consciousness is emerging and it begins to spread widely and how does it spread by multiple many 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 forms and each form carries a certain uh, it's a foothold for expressing something through the form it's expressing and then out of the animal world comes man so there is inside a continuity we don't see it scientists use the word biological missing links but that's because things are created And then when they serve as a footstool, one goes up and some footstools are kept for the ascending stair and some are knocked off. So this is what we see happening today. That's what is meant by, there are so many suggestions in this uh, one phrase, man is a transitional being, he is not final, he is going to be surpassed. That means something new is going to come. Sri and the mother called it the new race, but not in a racist sense. But in a realistic sense, whether we like it or not, however much we may say, you know, there is a difference between humans and the animal. Man is a thinking beast as somebody would say, but he is also an aspiring godhead. He is a combination of the god imprisoned in his breast and the beast also, which growls in his antecedent. He is a combination of that. He holds both in check and leads his life somehow, managing his days and nights. But as he goes further and further, as some of these Indian stories show, every god, which is very interesting, has as his vahana an animal kind. It could be the bird, it could be the bull, it could be the cow, it could be even a rat, it could be anything. So, what is this? It's about we become a god as we master the animal within us. So, animal within us, each layer which comes in evolution, even between man and animal, uh, there are so many multiple layers. Indian thought saw even human evolution in a graded way. That's why it spoke about the hierarchy of beings. We may not like it, but it's, it's a truth that remains inside. There are seekers of knowledge for whom... They are not satisfied with anything. They want more and more and more. They drink uh, experience like a strengthening wine. They, they, They drink the infinite like a wine. That's how there are people. On the other hand, there are those with whom any kind of knowledge is like, don't strain, don't burden. This fact exists inwardly. So, In man itself, the evolution takes a hierarchical form. Again, in the story of Dashavatar, we see from the Vamana, we see the next, uh, you know, uh, from the nursing, in fact, we see Vamana and then Parshuram, then Rama, then Krishna and eventually, finally, Kalki, Christ and Kalki who establishes the kingdom of heaven upon earth. So, we see in humanity itself, there are several links which today we have uh, lost, we don't recognize, but they exist because they are evolutionarily theirs. Um, rebirth is a process through which the consciousness climbs. And with each such climb, there is a modification even of the body and the form. That's what creates actually, I mean, I know uh, one can be condemned to racism, but uh, the fact is that the form changes as the evolution climbs. There are forms which are closer to the ape. It's not to be seen in a pejorative way because after all, it's the same one consciousness. And very often in the simpler forms, it's so much more visible, but so much more simpler. It's, you know, uh, the complexity which comes with evolution and with it, the form begins to itself shape itself. It's a whole study which... um, Someday somebody will carry out mystics. snow about it that see with Shurbindo, several times you will see that um, somebody will send if the, the photographs used to be sent sometimes. And Shurbindo would look at the photograph, and uh, some people, based on the photograph, they were asked to come in or they were asked uh, to stay away. Sometimes Shurbindo would make very interesting remarks. His forehead shows this, but his chin shows something else, and then. You know, it's known, for instance, people talk about the mystic eyes, yogi's chakshu. The eyes rolled up. These are known things always. Sri Ramakrishna Paramhans, She he would sometimes initiate after seeing the form. So this relation between the form and consciousness is something very fascinating. Meaning thereby, mere evolution of consciousness is not enough. It will go to a point and then it will not go beyond that. And that it's a recognition of this because of which the mother gave so much importance simultaneously to the physical education. Because if the form is not ready to adapt, in other words, evolution has two sides, even spiritual evolution. One is the evolution of consciousness. But as consciousness evolves, it wants to express itself. Have we not felt sometimes a tremendous love which we cannot express? Words fall short expressions fall short and all the smileys and all the messages seem so absurd and limited because what you are experiencing is something very different. Have you not felt sometimes that knowledge is filling our head, it's about to burst, it's like a whole cascade of light, like a tsunami, sea descending, that's how the Vedic Rishis would describe. Or something which is revealed in a flash, in a moment. But as Shraabindo says beautifully in Savitri, This was a seed cast in endless time. A seed is sown. The centuries toil to express. The Vedic seers saw something. That's why they were seer. But look at it till today the expression is going on. They saw something. What was the thing they saw? They saw that there is divine immanent in creation. They saw that the divine one wanted to become many. But ekoham bhoshyam. But till date, expression is going on. So both must be simultaneously prepared. This is what we see something another very fascinating aspect in Mother and yoga. We look at Shurbindo not just a mind which is literally an infinite, it's mind which is a concord of. Uh, when I look at Shurbindo's mind, like a little baby sitting here and that infinity, it looks like a master. Musician is playing an orchestra with infinite chords, and all of them are harmonizing. We we'll look at his thought on uh, that's one of the p- problems and challenges in reading Shurbindo. There are materialists who loves many things that Shurbindha has written. But they can't swallow that he also talks about God and spirituality and everything. There are spiritualists who are wonderful that he's all about God. But don't like this idea of, you know, divine materialism or matter to be transformed. This they don't accept. This is all, you know. There are some, the communists, who love this idea of a divine communism. But on the basis of divine, Vedantic communism, no, no, you omit that. This is fine. Everything you find there and it's like as if the master musician, the one who conducts the entire process of evolution is there, showing us this note, raise it now, put it down and then raise another And All of them bringing together, it's amazing. When we just look at Shirbindo's uh, you know, just little glimpse. How can we have the glimpse? Not through our mind, for sure. Only through the psychic door. And then when we read his words, it's amazing. How he can cram sometimes... A universe in one line, as I said, one line, man is a transitional being. One of them is that a new race is going to come. What a wonderful thing, you know. I am reminded of this story in, um, in our uh, Srimad Bhagavad Puran. You See, that story we have all heard, but the new revelations come. So, one of them is that there is a prophecy that the eighth son of Deviki is going to kill Kansa, who is his mama. Now, look at this prophecy. Everybody receives it in their own way. Kansa, of course, puts them in the jail. We see those gory serials where, you know, they are chained. They can't move. Terrible situation. Now, Kansa is free. He is a king. But from that day onward, he is terrified. He increases, ups the ante. He becomes ruthless, a merciless killer. He was not that bad. a person. He was bad, but he was like a despotic ruler. 80% taxation from everybody from Bridge Bhumi. His thing was very clear 80% of Makhan should come to me. That was his evil. And he had his own weaknesses, lust, and ambition. But he became a ruthless killer who would kill a child in this way himself. Why? Because he's terrified, the prophecy. Then, equally, there is the Gualbal. Suddenly, people are oh, this fellow is going to die. So wonderful. Let's rejoice. So in breath there is uh, wonder and in matra people are with bated breath waiting for that eighth child. And with every one single child gone, they are waiting expectantly. Look at Devki and Vasudev. That they are in jail with so much agony and suffering. Yet that there is going to be the divine who will be born from her own womb. Is something so beatific. It takes away all their suffering. So when we read this Mahavakya, man is a transitional being. We may be in one of the three positions. One position is, so the reign of ego is going to end. What will happen to my cherished ambitions? To my attachments? To my ways of life? To my greed? Through which, through fear, I am not going to be more specific. We make so much money. Overnight, our names are there in the ten, top 10 lists where it was nowhere. This terrifies. And because of this kind of consciousness, we see it ups the ante. Like Kansa, it becomes more and more merciless because it knows somewhere that its end is going to come. That's what the mother spoke about the Lord of Falsehood. She said, Falsehood has increased. It says, I know I am going to die. It's exactly the same story like Kansa. I know I am going to die. And die at the hands of a child. (laughs) Word still. The psychic being in man. The soul in man is greater than his fate. But I am going to do as much chaos as I can. And the child smiles and says, or the mother smiles and says, Okay. This child will come with this smile and with this smile he is going to disarm you. You will have only one of the two options – Kansa or falsehood or the old creation. Either you will be disarmed and tell the child that I am at your feet. Take me to your heights of glory. Or you will be ready to be decimated at the hands of the child. This one response. and We see today, much of the turbulence in the world is part of that response. Human beings consciously don't do it because... uh, Outwardly, we are instruments of forces. But deep inside, the forces are trying their best. This is what happened during the first two great wars. The vital forces had stooped upon earth. Now, the extreme is gone. Let's be very clear. We are not living in the Second World War era where suddenly, you know, there will be gas chambers and all that. Let's be very clear. The dark chapter is over. But there will be time to time upsurges where there will be an attempt to derail humanity from its path. But first child, second child, third child, seventh child, Yogmaya, (laughs) she has come to prophecy. Krishna will be there. He is there already. As the mother said, the new world is in its infancy. That's what is the deeper meaning of a vision in 1960 when she sees Krishna in gold, who playfully says, I am going to sit at your seat. She didn't explain it, but it's so beautiful. And she says, Okay. And when Krishna comes, he says, I want to occupy your seat. I am everywhere, nowhere, in everything, all things. So this is what is going to happen. This Krishna in mother's lap is none else but our psychic being, which the Divine Mother in her vastness holds. That is the basis of the Supramental Creation. Srivinda has given us all this so beautifully. Golden Krishna in the mother's lap. This is the symbol, the psychic being manifesting the gold within and emerging as the new creation. So this is one reaction. But on the other hand, there are those who are like Devki and Vasudev. Oh, my mind, I cannot understand anything. I don't know. I can't see beyond the prison walls. I don't understand anything. And yet, they are living by faith that Krishna will be born, the world redeemer. And the mother says, there is to... Give hope to that part of humanity which is born in this age. She says there are those, it has been prophesied that there are those who have faith will be redeemed. She says this is what is meant. There are those who have never read, never known anything about, understood anything about the new creation. But they have faith. The faith that the divine has assumed a material body, assumes a material body. And because it can, it need not even be that. Just the fact that if divine is presence present in this world, in each atom of existence, one day this world is going to disclose the divine. This is sheer logic. That if there is divine imminent in creation, then he will manifest himself. This is logic. And if you say, but what if the divine is not immanent in creation, then all this is an illogical paradox. All creation is an illogical paradox. <laughs> so, let's follow logic. You know, we are rational creatures. So, this evolution could not be if consciousness were not there. It would not emerge. And if it emerged so far… Our dreams indicate the direction in which it should go and it means that all of us should put all our eggs, not even few eggs. This is a problem. Few eggs in this basket, old creation. Maybe, you know, if new creation doesn't happen, let me also follow some path. At least nirvana ticket I will get. Let me try out some method. I'll get some experience. No, sir. New creation is exacting. Measure by measure. It's not a halfway home. Because new creation by its very nature means, in Hindi there is a wonderful term I had heard from Chutna Ranji. Let me use that. Amul chul Parivartan. Every bit of us has to be transformed. This is the whole process Sri describes in Life Divine as ascent and integration. Each time there is a new door which opens and consciousness ascends. There is a reversal. And as there is a reversal, again all the past things which were hidden inside, they are taken up and changed. Those who are moving on the path can see it so clearly. Which means to be fixed upon anything as the final. Is to lose the way. The way is an endless progression. When mother was asked, what should we do to, um, you know, it's too much. We can't read life divine and understand all this. What we should do? She said two things. One is, do not cling but we don't cling mother you cling we cling to the past we cling to the old way of life we cling to the body we cling to our own approach but i think like this we cling to our opinions viewpoints limited seeing what not i met people who when they you know uh, read something from shurbindo and it does not go with their set pattern so they ask very nicely uh, is it really what shurbindo <laughs> has written <laughs> yes sir Shubhinda has said so. But of course, if you want to get the full context, read the whole thing. That I always say. You read, read. go and read yourself, you'll see. Um, But uh, I don't see it. Yes, that's your limit. (laughs) The limits of my sight are not the limits of light. Excuse me. So what should we do? Well, expand your sight. This is exactly what the Vedas speak of. Increase the sight. How to increase the sight? By getting fire in the eyes. Where does the fire in the eyes come from? By fire in the heart. We become dead people. Mother says at one place that, you know, there are many who are living who are dead. You know, every child when he is adolescence has this dream of... But I must say that children, when they are born, putana comes all around. I'm sorry. Oh, Mira bachcha he will become a big engineer or this. He will have a car. And Earlier they used to say America. Thank God they have stopped saying America. Because they have realized no America has to come here. So at least they say India, may Hyderabad, or Bangalore, he will be there. But <laughs> you now this is where the, see the entire, whether we like it or not, Shakti has shifted to Asia. Whether you like it or not, this is what we see very clearly happening. But still, so Putna has already given milk. Which is going to take him into a stormy relation with the world. But Krishna is Krishna. Eventually he, you know, he is going to make his way through all the turbulence and the storms of life. So she said, do not cling. What is today need not be tomorrow. What is tomorrow need not be after few days. This... Is the greatest way of renouncing life. You know, this idea of renouncing something outwardly, getting attached to another way of life. I have seen people. Hum hai. We are a sannyasi. Now I will wear only this one color cloth. Why are you attached to one color cloth? No, I will not even wear cloth. That's even more dangerous. <laughs> have a hard think about people. Don't make a free show. Okay, you believe in something, fine. But there is something called as life around. If you want to do that, be in a cave. It's perfectly fine. Nothing, Nobody prevents a man from being what he is within his, you know, four walls. But this clinging can be so vicious. And sometimes a sannyasi, who has so-called renounced the world is a lot more attached. They will eat only one kind of food. You know. Should I say or not, I don't know. Vegan, I will eat, you know strictly vegan and almost to a default so I have very simple way no I, we will not take milk some people say I said see we are very simple we will not complicate it the mother gives milk in the dining room we have little choice but to enjoy that milk and Dugd Krishna also gave milk now you know two of two avatars have branded it it's ok sometimes some people have an allergy it's ok but when two avatars have endorsed it how can we Go, you know Dugda is the light Which is symbol of light But whatever it is Okay, fine Vegans can be vegans Non-vegetarian can be Non-vegetarian Vegetarian can be The point is not to hold on To cling And life is moving forward Creation is moving forward If we cling We will be left behind That's all Everything is changing the patterns And it's changing so fast That it can be disorienting So this one part Renounce This is the renunciation in Shirobindo's Yoga. Not outer renunciation is not expected. We can wear a t shirt. We can absolutely, you know, be cool. But inwardly also be cool. (laughs) And what is meant by that? She says, have a thirst for progress. So, one part is the past. Do not cling to anything. Second is, have the thirst for progress. Meaning thereby not to be satisfied with any experience. This was one of the things which at least to me seemed so strange. You know, there are sects which say, uh, you will get mukti. So I would sometimes ask, so what happens? So you will sit in meditation, You'll, uh, you will have this vision and voice, this sound, this. And then what happens? At the end you will arrive at, you know, uh, Brahman or Parabrahman. I said, so what's the big deal? Of course I understand, it's something fantastic. But there is an end. Finish. The last line. You have underscored. And there is the end of the evolutionary journey. And we came for this. To end up on such a sad and tragic note. Sri says, No, there is infinity before us. There is a need within the soul of man. These splendors of the surface never say it. For life and mind and their glory and debate are the slow prelude of a vaster theme. A preface to the epic supreme. Yesterday we were reading from Savitri similar things. On a height he stood that looked towards greater heights. Our early approaches to the infinite are faint beginnings. That's it. Of the epic climb. It makes us feel so young. It's one step solution to remaining young have their thirst for progress. And she says, real thirst, doesn't matter. You don't have to sit in ashram in a certain posture and meditate and say, I have thirst. Maybe you have thirst, but you are thinking, when will the meditation get over and I can have my water? Thirst! A greater love, more beauty, more truth, more wisdom, more strength, empowerment, shakti, infinite shakti. The body to be freed from diseases, old age, everything. Thirst, where is the end? Each cell should be become an abode and temple of the divine. Because almighty powers are shut in nature cells. This is the great plan before us. The great journey, tremendous journey. At the end of which we have divinized matter. A divine life in a divine body. That is what Srivinda has And opened the doors doesn't matter how long it will take. It's enough. Devki and Vasudev didn't calculate. Eight children means we will grow so old. Their task was to give birth to this new child. Man's work, work of works, this is the work of the ascent to the divine life, is the work of works. The sole acceptable sacrifice, without which man will be nothing more than an ephemeral worm, that has managed to form itself in a little speck of mud and water amidst the appalling immensities of the universe. Ascent to the divine life. This is what we are here for. And with each ascent, a reversal and integration. So there will be several successive subspecies. But with narrower and narrower. If we see the evolutionary process, we we'll see the gap becomes narrower and narrower. If we see paleontological era when you know dinosaurs are there, it takes several million years. Why? Because consciousness too stabilised in a certain animal form. But with human beings, we see that the evolution does pick up pace. We see avatars also coming more frequently. Nobody knows, you know, when the first Matsya avatar came, <laughs> Pele's era or even before that. But now the avatars comes, the frequency becomes, you know, less and lesser. And of course, as the mother said, this is the last avatar. So. That's why if we compress time, we will actually very intellectually arrive at the calculation of a thousand years at the most. And then we will see that each, there will be several, several abortive species going to be disorienting. Let's be very clear, fast track. Many things will be left behind before we can catch them. That's how the world will be changed very fast. And, and those who do not have the faith can find it very, very unnerving. So we have to hold on to faith and endure Four things the mother spoke of. When she spoke about the body of the new being and it applies at every level. One thing she said and stressed is plasticity, suppleness, plasticity, which means not to be rigid about any particular thing. Not to be like, you know, I met a, another sannyasi uh, who was travelling with being very uncomfortable. I said, what's happening? I have to do my puja. So do your puja. No, I have to take a bath. Train. So I said, the washroom is there, you can take a bath. No, no, I must take a bath with the pure water. So, where will be the pure water when the train stops on this particular station? I say, sir, are you very sure that that will be pure water? <laughs> Distilled water is not there. No, at least I will have satisfaction. So, that's not, you know, Rigidity. The supramental being will be plastic. Plastic in terms of thought. Why plastic in terms of thought? The same idea expresses itself in million ways. That's what is meant by the gates of the sun where a million rays express. Supramental thought is like that. That one idea expresses in multiple ways. There are many, many multiple possibilities that appear before a supramental being. But we have what is called as a one-track mind. This is the one-track mind. That we only see one thing. And that one thing is Everything that is Right in front of my nose That's all And before the wall That that nose hits So this is First aspect Second thing she said And mind Heart Life energy It all And that's why we see Today's rapid transitions Through which all this Even the body is being adapted When mother was asked Mother Will the radiation Going to be harmful So one person said That um, No Uh, human body will absorb everything in progress. The other person says no, the human body will die. So both asked the mother that mother which one is true. She said both. (laughs) And then she explained human body in its present state cannot. But because the supramental force is working 72 it is bound to reach a point where it will take all these things and transmute it. So you see what a body this is going to be. Plasticity. Then second level is balance. Now here balance is not given to Caesar what is due to Caesar and given to Rome what is due to Rome. <laughs> Meaning thereby I will lead an egoistic life, feed the ego as well as you know, feed. It's not, uh, balance is not that. Meaning thereby all levels it must touch. That's what Shivinda says in the mother. It's not enough if the mind has illuminations, but the heart remains stifled inside. It's not enough if the heart opens, but the life energy remains like an animal or a beast. It's not enough if the life responds, but the body remains sluggard and laggard on the way. Balance here means all levels it should take place. Third is endurance. Because it's a long journey, there will be many things, ups, downs. You know, people who have travelled... Thankfully, somebody sent me recently uh, something which I love to quote, Shackleton's journey, endurance. I have it on the WhatsApp now and I can pass it on. So it's so so fascinating journey. The man who failed, the first man who went to Antarctica mission and failed because the ship broke down. And his grandmother had given the name to the ship Endurance. But all of them survived. It's a fascinating story, and that opened the doors to Antarctica. So very often we say, "Oh, failures, falls; these are all irrelevant." There will be several, so-called. What in our ignorance we call as the baby who starts taking infant step doesn't start running and climbing Mount Everest. There will be several so-called failures, falls, ups, downs, many things, challenges. That's how the evolutionary power works. The most uh, uncomfortable creature, ugly if you want to call it, though there is nothing in essence ugly, is Archaeopteryx. Poor fellow is neither a snake nor a bird. And it vanished. So there are going to be all these things. So we have to endure the journey. Many, many things will happen. Whether the supramental force impacts the body, maybe even certain hidden things will come up. Even illnesses may a transition. Who knows? Children who... Already we see that schools have become re- redundant. So, this is uh, the third thing, endurance. And the fourth, she spoke about harmony. Four aspects. So, harmony, of course, we know is one of the most difficult things. But harmony within, within the different parts of our being. Harmony without, with the world, a new relation we will form. No more on the basis of likes, dislikes, opinions, viewpoints, my caste, your caste, my uh, language, your language but on a deeper basis. The only basis of harmony can be the divine presence in all. Because this harmony will not be sameness. The one divine presence, but expressing itself in multiple ways. So we'll accommodate both harmony as well as the variety, as well as we learn the right dealing in the manifestation with the different elements of creation. So this is, we are on an exciting journey, a wonderful journey Um, it's a lovely subject Um, I mean um, as I said it's burdened with many suggestions but I want to just uh, close with one of the readings Uh, one is where Sri says this man is a transitional being he mentions several places in his essays and uh, he is a transitional being also in the life divine where he doesn't speak of man is a transitional being but he is a transitional being and several places the mother also speaks about it uh, several times this is one of the key works of Shirobhindo that man will be exceeded not only in terms of consciousness but also in terms of form and the challenge of this yoga is this that with each ascent the form has to adapt otherwise it's not like escaping into some uh, supramental world and you know with no base here so here is what Shirobhindo writes a Godhead is imprisoned in our depths Krishna in the prison One in its being with a greater Godhead ready to descend from superhuman summits. Man is a transitional being and then he says that even if we perfect ourselves humanly, the limits of humanity, that's not enough because that's not what is meant by superhumanity. Man's greatness is not in what he is. All our degrees and visiting cards Needs to be changed. And changed into apprentice. Working in the laboratory of God. That's our true domicile. Apprentice. Mother used the word apprentice. Superman. But that sounds too presumptuous. Visiting card, Apprentice. Superman. (laughs) Straight to the asylum. But apprentice. We are all apprentice. Who is apprentice? Her. She is teaching us things and we are apprentice. We are learning. The moment you say, yeah, we know, now we can teach. Teach what Shura Unfit. The moment we understand that there is no limit, he is infinite. Shura is as vast as the universe and his teaching is infinite. All that we can do is to love him and serve him and all knowledge will rush like a sea. So he says, man's greatness is not in what he is, but in what he makes possible. His glory is that he is the closed place and secret workshop of a living labor in which supermanhood is made ready by a divine craftsman. So let's not be putnaz and stifle the dream of a child when he imagines a beautiful world. Let's not tell him, but you have to get 90% in maths. Otherwise, you don't have a future. If he gets 90% in maths, maybe he doesn't have a future. <laughs> but maybe, <laughs> well, it's wonderful to do that. But maybe when he is not attracted to maths, when you tell him why and to wear well, maths, it could be anything, huh? biology, anything. Please, you know. Maths, why? Because God is beyond calculation. So it applies. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Every other branch has something open-ended. Biology is very open-ended. I'm not uh, arguing in favor of, you know. But maths is... But maths is introduced zero and infinity, which you should not forget. Huh? So, open-ended. So, a child says, I don't interest, take interest in any of these things. So, you are useless. Perhaps this child is that little Krishna, who doesn't like to go to school. Who is being very naughty. He loves to play the sport. And he is the one who is getting ready, who knows, for the future. It's not the perfect ape that became man. Not Bali, but, but uh, Sugreev, Just a little below. Who was bit sure, bit unsure. His life was kabhi ha, kabhi na. He is the one. Because then he can take a leap. Somebody who is very well, you know, um, all man on top. Because to climb still further, he has to come down. He doesn't want to do that. He is very happy being on the top. This super specialized humanity. So this is what is... uh, But he is admitted to a yet greater greatness. And it is this that, unlike the lower creation, he is allowed to be partly the conscious artisan of his divine change. It's not an unconscious process. That's where yoga steps in. We have to collaborate in the process. And the the way of collaborating I have just spoken about. Two things we have to remember. Do not cling. Thirst for progress. It's very secular. It's open-ended. And of course, if one can be like Krishna sitting in mother's lap, life is wonderful. (laughs) Then we don't have to even try for the makhan. She will put the makhan all around. (laughs) So this is the beauty. His free ascent, his consecrated will and participation are needed that into his body, mark the words, Man has to consent. This is the only problem with God that I find. He does not force himself. So many times you tell him, "Do it, sir." He says, "No. If I do it, you will break down. You have to little bit, thoda to karna padega. Okay, what I have to do? At least surrender. You have to do gladly and spontaneously. <laughs> do not imagine that the divine force will do even the surrender for you. <laughs> Aspiration, we have to aspire. New creation is formed by the divine will. But we have to accept the divine will. Otherwise we will say, Oh, why my life? I mean, all this we start doing, you know. We get unsettled when the ground shakes below our feet. Not realizing that the ground shakes because the spacecraft is taking off. Sometimes even (laughs) the ground shakes (laughs) with a jolt. Okay, so anyways. uh, His participation is needed that into his body may descend the glory that will replace him. Replace. His aspiration is Earth's call to the supramental creator. If Earth calls and the Supreme answers, the hour can be even now for that immense and glorious transformation. The mother identified with Earth and called. And we see the Supreme answered when she, um, 29th February 1956, She heard the command in English, the hour has come. So sweetly, the Lord, the Supreme answered. She became the earth and he becomes the Supreme, he opens that door. So what is our role? Receive it. That is a big role. Open to it. And that's what we see. So many passages. But um, I'll just read one more. Where is it gone? yeah, so uh, this is what the mother says. We have so many problems in life, and everybody wants i is impatient from third world war to third world countries. Now that word has fortunately lost its meaning because <laughs> we don't know now um, so. This is a conversation of the mother based on one of um, Shurabhindo's aphorisms. Wherefore he selected or made such a material when he had all infinite possibilities to choose from, because of his divine idea which saw before it not only beauty and sweetness and purity, but also force and will and greatness. That's why this hard material. See, the beauty of matter is this. Take a simple example. When matter takes a long time to receive But once it receives it The imprint remains That's the basis of typewriting But you have to relearn The alphabets don't follow the order of A, B, C, D But once you learn it After that doesn't matter You are you know, looking here then there and doing it This is the interesting aspect of matter Why he chose this material? He could have chosen material of the gods This is the problem that it won't have been as perfect as it can be through this divine idea. It Force and will and greatness. See, this is the problem with gods and the titans. Titans are too hard, too crude. So, they can manifest force and will and strength. Gods are too soft, <laughs> too gentle, <laughs> too, you know, well-behaved fellows. So, the titans come and start beating them black and blue till they call, you know, Either Indra's thunderbolt comes in, or he calls Mother Durga, rider on the line, <laughs> you come. Jagat Janani takes that form. But we have to be something in between. The matter of which we are made, though it bears the stamp of the crude, asuric, rakshasic contact, still it has within it a divine possibility. That's the Ramayana. Mother Sita to the asura and then passing through the test of fire and regaining her pristine glory. Despise not force nor hate it for the ugliness of some of its faces, nor think that love only is God. All perfect perfection must have something in it of the stuff of the hero and even of the titan. But the greatest force is born out of the greatest difficulty. So that's what. So Mother says something very beautiful. Very quickly, I'll wrap it up. After all, the whole problem is to know whether humanity has reached the state of pure gold or whether it still needs to be tested in the crucible. One thing is certain. Humanity has not become pure gold. That is visible and certain. But something has happened in the world's history which allows us to hope. This something is the 29th February 1956. That a selected few in humanity, a small number of beings perhaps are ready to be transformed into pure gold and that they will be able to manifest now mark the word they'll be able to manifest strength without violence heroism without destruction and courage without catastrophe this is what is needed but in the very next paragraph, Sri gives the answer. This one point solution to all the problems. Not like adjust this, fine, food grain shortage, this problem, all kinds of things. No, none of this. If man could once consent to be spiritualized, if only the individual could consent to be spiritualized, could consent, that's all she wants from us. A sincere yes. Something in him asks for it. Aspires and all the rest refuses. Wants to continue to be what it is, the mixed ore which needs to be cast into the furnace. And in the furnace of suffering burns more sweetness to deserve, more strength to gain. From his poem In the Moonlight, that he climbs, casting behind his ill and sin, but he has to burn through the furnace. At the moment, we are at a decisive turning point in the history of the earth. This late 50s, after the supramental manifestation. Once again, from every side I am asked, what is going to happen? Two years back it was corona, one year back. Now it is kuch karo ya marona. Now it is war. (laughs) After some time, something else will come. She has given a solution right 50 years back. All these are halfway homes. Now we are learning the the thing that we are learning even through this Guri is all our imperfection of all our mental solutions. Form a united Nations, but of the same human beings. Shubindu spoke about it in 1919 and the mother said very blatantly that it's all playing in the hands of falsehood. So, way back. look at the joke. Anybody can veto. Who are the those? <laughs> I mean, five feet sometimes. Like a circus. You just enjoy watching it. I'll, you know, it's like the dadagiri in a mohalla. It's nothing like that. I'll veto. So, many things are getting exposed. It's not about this side being right or wrong. That's a different story. But, We are learning the inadequacy of our mental solutions. And if we still go back in that direction, still another. So she says, What is going to happen? Everywhere there is anguish, expectation, fear. What is going to happen? There is only one reply if only man could consent to be spiritualized. One shop solution, one shop stop. And perhaps it would be enough if some individuals become pure, became pure. It's not like a mass movement, everybody suddenly, you know, starts doing bhaj govinda, bhaj govinda. Not needed. <laughs> Have the govinda in the heart, live that light. For this would be enough to change the course of events. She's giving us a solution, even of the present problem. Hasten on that path now. Hasten means not like impatiently. The one solution is, those who are called upon the path, for them the only solution is to go more and more in that direction. We are faced with this necessity in an urgent way, very urgent way. This courage, this heroism which the divine wants of us, why not use it to fight against one's own difficulties, one's own imperfections, one's own obscurities? Why not heroically face the furnace of inner purification? It's bound to come. It's not. Several times the matki will put Who will put it? Krishna. Watch. He's on the side. You think now I fill the gagar and you know I am carrying it. He is the one who will put. Why are you doing this, Krishna? It's not yet. You know, this matki has to be made of a better material. Okay. We keep filling and he keeps following. The material must change. (laughs) So she says, why not heroically face the furnace of inner purification? How do you make the matki better? In Vedas it is mentioned two ways. One is to the tapas of yoga, the furnace of purification. The other is furnace of suffering. Only two ways. Face the fire of aspiration and tapow it. All, you know, bake. It has to be baked. That's how it becomes strong. Or else, suffering will make us either which way. So that it does not become necessary to pass once more through one of those terrible, gigantic destructions which plunge an entire civilization into darkness. This is the problem before us. It is for each one to solve it in his own way. There are no standard set patterns or methods of the yoga. We want it or we don't want it. We have faith in it or we don't have faith in it. That's all. We can open to it or we cannot open to it. That's all. No debate, discussion and complicated things. This evening, I am answering the questions. I have been asked and my reply is that of Sri If man could once consent... To be spiritualized. And I add time presses from the human point of view. All that is required is a yes. We have the yes program. All that is required, the mother says, is a sincere yes from your heart. And the rest will be done for us. Thank you.